Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. with us last week. We started a new series called, the, 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 we, we called it, uh, My Soul to Keep. We're doing a series on the soul. And last week, if you missed, we talked about the forgotten soul. How, how easy it is for us to kind of do all that we're doing and all the busyness and neglect the most impar- important part of us. And that is our soul. Jesus says, you could win the whole world and Forfeit your own soul. It doesn't make sense to do that. So that's why we're taking some weeks here, beginning in the fall, to, to jump into this a little bit. So if you missed last week, someone asked me about the podcast. There, there's podcasts for those each week. So if you do miss a week, uh, you can listen and catch up. I think it's really good. So if you, if you missed last week, it'd be good to listen to that. And as we start off today, we're going to talk about the lost soul. The lost soul. You ever been lost? It, yeah, maybe this summer you got turned around, you couldn't find where you're going. You know, most of us nowadays have GPS, okay? So we don't veer off too far when, when we have that running for us. But several years ago, almost, you know, almost uh, 15, 18 years ago, uh, my wife and I, uh, it must have been less than, more than 18 because uh, we were going over to Idaho, southeast Idaho. We, we started living there, and people suggested to drive to Salt Lake City is to take a scenic route, and that is to go through Bear Lake. And we thought, well, that would be pretty neat. So we traveled along this windy road. It's a beautiful day, sunny day. And I don't know, we don't know to this day what happened when it comes to what we were talking about, but we got into, like, a heated discussion. Okay, if you were in the back seat, it would you would consider that a, a full-fledged argument. Okay, that that probably happened. I do this. We don't remember this day. What we what we were even discussing? I'm sure a bulk of it was something I did wrong. Okay, so that's what I'm thinking, guys. That's for us. Okay, on that. Uh, but as we're going along, again, not just forgetting where we're going. All of a sudden, realizing where in the world are we? Uh, driving by and there's a sign, there's a casino that said, welcome to Wyoming. I'm like, we're in Idaho, we're trying to drive to to Salt Lake City, Utah. I think we missed a turn somewhere, right? Is that really what that is? So I pull into the next gas station and I'm not joking, when I I went to the attendant and I said, sir, I'm not drunk, but can you tell me what state we're in? And of course, just as a Wyoming person would say, had a big belt buckle, and said, feller, you're in Emerson, Wyoming. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we were 80 miles off the course. And I tell you, it's so easy. We get distracted in life. And I, I realized this is that I was like, we were in the state of confusion. That's the state we were in. We didn't know what state. Idaho, Montana, not Montana, Idaho, Wyoming, and Utah, we didn't know where we were. And I think a lot of us in our lives, that's happened to us before, is that we, we have been distracted, we've been busy, we've been in conflict and relationship, and it's so easy for us to veer in the direction and to lose our way along the way. 
It might be losing our way when it comes to friendships. It might be losing our way in, in relationship with our kids. We can lose our way uh, as a, in our marriage relationships. We can all drift. And more importantly, we can drift in a relationship with God. And I would say that type of lostness really has not much to do with location as it has to do with condition. It's about condition. Emotionally, even deeply spiritually, we can be lost where lost is not so much we wind up in the wrong place, rather we wind up in the wrong place because we're, we're lost. Does that make sense? We don't mean to be lost, but it's the twists and turns along the way that we're going, how did I, how did I really get here? Really ask the question, what state am I in in life? Lostness is a, is a condition of the soul. And we know that feeling when things are not quite right. See, on the outside, everything can be looking really, really good. We can, we can be successful in our job. We can find finances going well. Everything's going well. But deep down, we're just off. You've said this to yourself at times. I feel like I'm just falling apart. I feel like I don't have my act together at times. And really what it is is our soul, as we're talking this series, our soul cries to be whole. And yet we live in this broken world that's so much conflict. And you know, how many know the conflict is not just out there, but it's a conflict within our lives. Like we go, hey, I'm a, we, we say, I'm a really good person. We can see ourselves as a, man, I'm a good person. And the next moment we kind of go, man, but I can't stand that person over there. They drive me nuts. They sure irritate me. We're like, I don't feel like that's a, being a good person. And I think that way. Some of us can overreact. And have you ever been in a situation, maybe a coworker or a family member or whoever you're with, you're like, I'm not going to overreact. I'm not going to overreact. And then we overreact, right? Like, why did I do that? Some of you know what it's like on a diet. You're on a 1,200 calorie diet and you ate three pieces of pizza and one said, you go, okay, those are the 1,200 calories for the day. <laughs> it's just like, why did I get there? Why did I do what I did? And that's, that's a feeling that we all can share. And in fact, even the Apostle Paul, I look at him as kind of the big kahuna uh, that's written a lot of the, the New Testament, describes it this way. He wrote, wrote to Rome. He says, I don't understand what I do. What I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do, and if I do what I do not want to do, as it is, it's no longer I myself who do it. But it, here is so important. He says this, it's the sin living in me. I know the good it's, itself does not dwell in me. That is my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do. <laughs> what? <laughs> I think you, you and I, though, can relate with that, can't we? We're like, uh, yeah, that sounds like my life at times. And see, that's why we understand that being lost is not ending up somewhere you don't want to be. Being lost is really becoming someone you don't want to be. The lost state, though, we can find ourselves in is only symptomatic of an issue that we all struggle with. And it's the source of our lostness, and that is sin. At the very beginning, a man, man had, a, had a choice, and he blew it. Sin entered the world, and it's the greatest issue, and it's the issue that gets us disconnected, gets our soul disconnected with God. And yet inborn in all of us is our desire for our soul to be whole. You know what it's like. You know what it likes to live a divided life. You know what it like, it's like to live a, uh, you know, in torment at times and twisted in times within yourself. 
So what do we do? Well, Paul expresses this way. When he gets to the end of the rope, and you've maybe been there before, what a wretched man I am. What we find ourselves is we can say those words as well because in our sin, we can find disgust. We can find deep regret. And then Paul says this, ask the question, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Some of you are thankful, aren't you, for what God has done in your life. Where you can look back and you say, man, I, there was a state of lostness. I mean, I, it wasn't like I was in another state physically, but I was in a different state in life. I was in a different mindset. You know, state of mind, state of well-being. And it, Jesus came and he rescued my sorry soul and brought me in a relationship with him. We're thankful for that work. And yet, lostness still it plagues us even in our lives, even as followers of Christ. And that is why this morning, I can't think of a better, when we talk about the lost soul, than the story that we're going to look at. In fact, it's a story that in scripture that Jesus tells it, it's very, very familiar to many of us here. And I want to challenge you today because it's so familiar. Don't pretend, don't think that you know every aspect of it because just like the Bible, many times it's, it's a living word and it speaks to us. And today there's a word for you specifically, I believe, if, I, if we pray and trust that God will speak to you, if we're open for him to do that. But, it, but for, for some of you, this is this is a new story you maybe have never heard before. And that's, that's, that's wonderful. That's going to be so good for you to hear this today. It, it comes from Luke chapter 15. And as we, you need to know, as we, before we read this story, Jesus had this audience that was mixed. It was, it was religious elite, and it was what they, others were called sinners. And the reason they were called sinners is because the religious people called them sinners, so he had these two groups of people, and Jesus speaks to these two groups of people through the, the view of two sons that we're about to look at. But more importantly, we're going to look at this father. And traditionally, this story is called the prodigal parable of the prodigal son. But it's, there's a misnomer because many times people think prodigal means wayward or lost. And we focus on the, the younger son that we'll be looking at. But actually prodigal, it means this. Recklessly extravagant, having spent everything. And what you really could reword this story as the prodigal father. Because what we hear and what we read is actually the love of this extravagant Father, it's an expression of God's love to us. Jesus starts off with this. He says, there was a man who had two sons. Jesus, you know, and notice here, it says that there wasn't just two sons. It says there was a man, there was a father who had two sons. And I might be kind of picky with this a little bit, but I really believe Jesus has a purpose. Say, hey, there's a father with two sons. Because really this story is about this father that we're going to look at. In fact, I, I've been praying all week for you. I've been praying all week for myself that God would speak through, through us this very familiar story, that we would hear it in such a way that God would, God would do a work in us because all of us, we're going to find there's a lostness to our souls. And I want to encourage you today with this one thought is the remedy for the lost soul is receiving the enduring and extravagant love of the Father. 
The remedy for the lost soul is receiving the enduring and extravagant love of the Father. And when we look at the story, it has, it's kind of a two-part play. And the first act of this play is really speaking to this younger son. It's speaking to the audience of this, of the, quote, the sinners that are out there. And as the story, and if you can kind of picture Jesus telling the story, you got to picture these religious people going, that's right, Jesus, you tell those low, you know, no good, dirty, rotten, dirtball sinners what they need to hear. That's them. That's, that's who you're speaking to. You bet. That's who you're speaking to. And I want to challenge you, if, if, as we hear this story today, the, especially the first act of the story, you might have the tendency and go, man, I know somebody like that. Man, I, oh, man, they are, woo, they are out there. They're so messed up. Man, it's too bad they're not here today to hear that. Man, they really need to hear that. Or you might even say, man, I'm not going to point, but the person next to us, they need this today. They need to hear this today. My, my, my husband, he's here. No pointing fingers. He needs to hear this. My, my, my wife, my kid, my kid, oh, my kid needs to hear this today, okay? So if that's you, I want you to just give you a little warning. Your time is coming, okay? Your time is coming here today. Jesus continues the story. He says, the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. Now you read there going, okay, yeah, well, that seems bold of him to do that. That's unheard of. And, and, and we, in fact, we can kind of miss the obvious. If you are going to receive from someone's estate, there has to be a key piece to that. What do you think it is? The person that gives the estate, they have to be dead. Okay, someone has to die to get something out of an estate, and, and the benefactor has to be dead. And that, basically, the son is saying, "Dad, I wish you were dead." That's really what it was. Now, why would he say this? Well, this is important to, to think about. He because because he's lost. You're thinking, well, no, he's home. Well, lost is not 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 a, it's not a location. It's it's a condition. Some of you know what it's like to sit across from someone that you know pretty well and yet feel like you're a million miles away, like you are just on different wavelengths. That's really what was happening. Here's this loving, caring father, and he's looking in the eyes of a son that's already lost and hadn't gone anywhere. See, you need to know that the, the father's response to this whole outrageous request of the son is, is so amazing. It's almost outlandish. I mean, this is so disrespectful. I mean, really what this kid needed was a swift kick in the keister and out the door is really the response should have been. And yet Jesus surprises the audience, the hearers. He says this, so the father, he the father, divided his, his property between them. You need to understand back in the day, especially, it wasn't just a physical estate like possessions and land. It was more and deeper, much more spiritual. It's the very life and legacy of a person. The younger son saying to his father, give me my share, was asking his father to tear his life apart. See, some of you know the feeling. Some of you know what it feels like when someone closest to you betrays you. When someone you know and someone you trust and you put your life into in, in their hands and you have thought you had this relationship, they come along and says, I want my share. I want out. 
Some of you know that feeling. Maybe it's a spouse or a grown child or a family member or friend, and you thought there was this close relationship, and you didn't realize how lost they really were. And what they ended up doing is they hurt you badly. They took advantage of you. They used you, and it hurts. If you felt that way, you could feel the feeling of this father who says to basically, the, the son says to him, Dad, I, I, I want your stuff. I don't want you. See, in our own lost state of our own sin, can I challenge us? We can say the same thing to God. Many times we have to be careful that we can seek God's hand rather than seek his face. That we want something from God and rather than just being with him. And that was the desire of this father. And yet, he came to this point, he had to do what he had to do in the sense of knowing because of this, of his great extravagant love was this. And it reminds us of our love of our father is this. Our father's love is enough to let us go. This love and our love of our father, God, is enough to let us go. If you're a parent of an adult child where maybe you're now an empty nester, our kids are still at home, but there's going to be a day where our kids are going to go out on their own. And some of you parents of adult children know, and they're living their life on their own. And, it's, and you find that like you had to release him. You had to let them go. And for some of you, you've had to express tough love. When they start coming back around and need and need again, you're like, I love you enough to let you go. I love you enough to even say no to what you're asking for, but I love you. And really what this father was doing was, and it was, it was really the DNA of what love is, that love is a choice. He doesn't, you don't read in the story, this, this, this father begs his, this son to stay with him. No, he, he gives him that inheritance and releases him to go. And Jesus goes on in verse 13, he says, not long after that, the, the younger son got together with all he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth and wild living. How many know that sin is fun for a season? The reason we sin, it's fun. At the very beginning of it, it's enjoyable, it's pleasurable. There's so, so much good feeling when we, want to, we end up doing something bad. And yet, the lie is this, and it's a lie of the broken, lost world, is that it'll continue on, 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 on. It doesn't. It, it, it expires very quickly. The high fades, the, 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 the fun Dies. And you could, you could really say in the 2017 version that this guy was like Vegas or bust, baby. But guess what? It busted quickly. Because not only did he lose everything and squander all that his father gave, gave him, a famine hit the land on top of that. And the scriptures, Jesus shares about how he's left feeding pigs on a farm. And he's looking at the pig slop and he's going, man, I wish I could have what they're eating. That's pretty low. That's a low point in your life. If you're, you're hungry and you're looking at it and you're going, man, that pig slop looks really, really good. He hit, up, he hit, hit his rock bottom. Here's a question for you and I. Have you hit your rock bottom in your life? Has there been a place? Have you, you know what the pigsty feels like? In fact, I bet some of you could tell stories and you say, no, no, listen, let me tell you where I was. I was in the gutter, maybe, maybe not necessarily physically in the gutter, but I was in the gutter emotionally in my marriage, and man, everything was tanking, everything was falling around me, and I was starving, I was dying, and I was struggling so much spiritually, and yet Jesus came and rescued me. You could tell that story, and you, because you hit a rock bottom, but here's the dangerous thing about it is, I'm wondering if there's people here today who have not hit the rock bottom. Now, let me, let me say this, granted in life, 
rock bottom sometimes is health issues and financial issues, things outside of you that can get you that place. And I want you to recognize that that might be the case. But we need to also recognize sometimes, many times, our rock bottom is what we've chosen to go our, our way, our wayward way. See, we weren't meant for the pigsty. And that's why the scripture says this in, of the younger son. It says, when he came to his senses, that, can I tell you, that is the grace of God. When he came to his senses, he says this, how many of my father's hired men had food to spare? And here I am starving to death, starving to death. At the end of his rope, he realized, he came to his senses. That is the grace of God. Wondering at that moment what to do next. And I tell you, the reason it's the grace of God in the pigsty, you're like, that's not really that fun. That's not that wonderful thing. It is because he realized he, he was there. But wouldn't he know he's in the pigsty? No, he, he knew that. He needed to re- come to his senses of the fact that his life needs to be turned around. That is the grace of God. When you know you are lost, that is the grace of God speaking to you that you are. Does that make sense? When you don't know it, that's a dangerous place. But for the son, it was nothing to do about being in the pigsty. That wasn't about location. It was about condition. See, it doesn't matter if you're in the pigsty or a high rise. It doesn't matter if you're in a hospital bed or you're in a corner office with a view. Lost is lost. And there's a time to go home. There's a time to return to your father. See, the son, out of desperation and despair, knew it was time. And says this. He says, this is, he made this determination, this resolve. He says, I will set out and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like what you want of your hired hand. So it says he got up and went to his father. Here he is traveling back, making, you know, working on, my, on the I'm sorry speech over and over again. And what was happening here is identity and self-worth was so shot that he just like, thinking, I'll just approach my father like, I, I can't, I can never think to be your son again, but at least let me be a hired hand. Let, let me just be a slave or servant, something. And what, what he what was realizing, though, he knew at that point how good he had it. He, it wasn't, but it wasn't about money, it was about homes, it was about possessions, even possession of family. What, was, what he realized was this, that he was a lost soul. And he, he really came to this place, he was almost saying it's too little, too late. He underestimated and didn't understand this enduring, extravagant love that the Father was about to pour out in his life. And I would tell you, it's the same thing for our lives. And the reason it is, we, we still think love is transactional. I will love you if. I will love you but. Listen, God has no buts about it. He loves us regardless. Regardless. And that is what it's expressed, expressed in this out-of-the-world love that Jesus is showing them and he was showing us today. If you're, if you're here and you go, man, I blew it. I, I, I've, I, I've, I'm so far down the road. I've messed my life up so much. I've done nasty stuff. I've hurt people. I mean, it's too little. It's too late. All that is realize this. It's not too late. It's not too late for the love that God has for us. Can I encourage you today? Please, please hear this. Listen, right up here. Let's hear this. God cares little about your behavior. What he cares about is your heart. It's about your heart. God is not looking for right behavior. He's looking for a right heart. That's what he's starting for, a heart that says, I am lost and I need you. 
See, we need to know this. Our Father's love anticipates our return and ready to embrace us. Our Father's love anticipates our return and ready to embrace us. Listen to what happens with the younger son as he headed, he was heading home. But while he was still a long way off, the father said to him and was filled with compassion for him. And he, he says he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. Can you picture this with me? Can you picture, and we don't know how long the, the son had been gone. It could have been months. It could have been years. But if you can picture this, this father that's grieved in the loss of his son, hoping for his return, hoping to come back, looking day in, day out down the road, Will my son return? There probably was some days he was looking out and he's like, is that, is that who I think it is? Oh, no, not today. Not today, day after day. But there was one day, one important day, special day, that he looks and he sees his son. And scripture says he runs to him. That is so significant to know because back in that day, Grown men didn't run. <laughs> you know, if you're a jogger, they didn't jog back then. Men did not run. You know why men didn't run? Because they didn't have pants back then. <laughs> they had a robe. <laughs> have you ever tried to run like a man in a robe? <laughs> not very dignified. Men in that day, especially the class that is described, Jesus describes of this father, they don't do that. But he didn't care. He, he didn't care about his reputation. He didn't care about anything else. He saw his son out there. Can I tell you, when we're turning, when we make that turn toward home, every single time, our loving father, who with this everlasting, enduring, extravagant love of father, comes racing for us. Listen, the response to his son. It's not judgment. It's just so beautiful. He says, the son said to him, and he's going through this speech. I, I have sinned against heaven, against you. I'm no longer worthy to be signing. He probably had that speech you know, over and over again. I'm, what am I going to say? I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. And then this is the deal. The son, the father was like, didn't let him finish the speech. Father cared little about what he was saying. He was just glad his son was home. He didn't care about the words and all that needs to go in it. Not that nothing wrong with confession and for, asking for forgiveness is all good. What he cared about was son was coming home. What mattered was this. The father says, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is now is found. And scripture says, Jesus says they begin to celebrate. Tell you, that's God's response. Every single time we turn toward him, open arms, offering the best for us of his sons and his daughters. Not his servants, not his slaves, sons and daughters. And I love how 1 John Apostle expresses this. See what great love the father has lavished. Same word as prodigal. Lavished his love on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Can I challenge you this week as you go back to work, go back to school, and when you're feeling like you're not all that, when you're feeling like people are telling you who you should be or need to be, remind yourself of this. This is who you are. You are a child of God. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're, you are God's, the Father's kid. See? Know this finally. Our Father's love will never, ever 
give up on us. I think we sang that. No, never give up. Never give, right? We sing it. We know those words. They, they true for you today because that was true. Not just for the younger son, but the older one as well. Let's not forget who else was in the audience. And maybe who else is in the room today. Your time was coming. Remember I said it would be? Act two. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has, uh, has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. What was happening here? The, the younger son was outwardly rebelling. The, inward, the, the, the older son was inwardly rebelling. The younger son headed to Vegas. You can almost say that the younger son just, he went to church every week. Or the older son went to church every week. The younger son was careless. The older son was critical. But here's the thing. The son refused. The older son refused to go into the party. And Jesus tells him, so his father went out and pleaded with him. I think that's so significant. Because even with the younger son, the, the father released him. And he, was, he was gone. And though he did finally come back and saw him come back. But the father didn't go and, and go search him in the different city. The father didn't go and, and look for him. But when his older son was out, what did he do? He looked, and what a pitch, beautiful picture of God's enduring, extravagant love that despite our waywardness, waywardness not just in sin and what we've done, but the waywardness and the sin of stubbornness and pride, God still comes after us and searches for us. Can I remind us again that loss is not about a location, it's about a condition. For the, the, the son, this older son, he was under the roof of, of for years of this, with this father, and there was a distant relationship. Can I challenge this? It can be un, not unlike a lot of people that go to church every week, where you can have a distant relationship with God. You could be under the roof of it all, but not taking the responsibility of the older son and what, what the call that was there to do. And, and what happens is we can take on that mentality of, a, of an older son, and, and really what it describes is a sense of entitlement. Entitlement comes from pride. Entitlement was happening with this, this older son is because he was in the state of lostness just as much as his younger son. He just wasn't realizing it. That was the sad part of this story. It was pride that was leading him. And what was leading him is this. It was leading him to a place of, of bitterness. And it was brewing. It was stewing. And it pours out in the most awkward place in the front lawn. It says this, the son said to his dad as the father went out to him, look, he says this, all these years, can you hear that? All these years, I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You never gave me even a younger, young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours had squandered your property with prostitutes have come home, you killed the fatted calf for him. Can you, can you, can you hear it? Can you hear the, the, the seething of bitterness and resentment? There, his son, the son of yours. He acknowledges even as his brother. And there's the son of yours. Who's he blaming? He's not blaming his kid brother any longer. He's blaming his father. 
And how easy for us at times that we can do the same. We can see the circumstance of life and we can see what people are doing and what they're getting away with. And we're not just upset with them, they got away with it. We're upset with whoever is in charge of them. And ultimately it's God. It's like, God, you're letting them get away with this? This is what you're doing? See, before we beat up the, the elder son and we make that such a big deal, which it is, it's so good to be reminded that the elder son is right. He's totally right. His kid brother, his stupid little brother messed up their life. When he asked for the inheritance, you need to recognize how significant that was that the father would give him. It wasn't like, hey, there's, there's a father with two sons and they split it. No, 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 no. Back in the day, the older son would get more than half of, of a split of a state. So he was out money that he thought he should deserve. On top of that, his brother's gone, and he's got to do double the work. On top of that, he's got this father who's grieving the loss. And can you imagine this hearing hey, day in, day out, when's my son going to come home? When's my son going to come home? And the, and the, father, this, the older son's going, you still got one more son? What about me? Look what all I've done. What all I accomplished for you. And this is the thanks I get? The, the older son was totally right, but he was totally wrong. He was just as lost as his younger brother. And he's like, this is not fair. I mean, how many are so thankful that God's not fair? That God doesn't give us what we do deserve? His mercy? He gives us what we don't deserve is grace. And he's expressing it to this older son who's on the outs. He says, listen, listen, listen. We had to celebrate and be glad because the brother of yours, did you catch that? Was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. This brother of yours, we had to celebrate. Can I tell you, when a, a person comes to faith in Christ, there's a party going on in heaven. And there's a celebration that takes place when someone chooses to come home. Now, as we read this, how, how did the, how, let's, let's get to it. How did the older son respond? Well, we don't know. Jesus leaves a cliffhanger. The story ends. That's it. I'm like, well, that's not. We're like, well, what, whatever happened to that, that older son? You ever thought, like, what? There's no, what do you want to know? Did he go in the party? Did he not go in the party? I mean, come on, Jesus. Why didn't you kind of wonder what the, the religious were thinking at that moment. They're like, yeah, what, what happened to him? Is it possible maybe that, that Jesus is really given an invitation to this, to this religious group saying, you actually, that's you. You could have this invitation to the, to the party for you. This is your opportunity. The door is still open. And, and, and the father's pleading for his son to come in. He's pleading for you to come into the party. Can I tell you though, what will happen with, with, with not entering the party is pride will keep you from it. Pride will keep you from it. See, religion, religion can be really easy. We can do all the external things on the outside. We miss it completely, the heart behind it all. Rebellion and anger and pride and resentment all can brew on the inside. See, Jesus doesn't, doesn't, didn't die for us to be critics. 
But to be grateful followers of him, we need to understand sin is not doing just the bad stuff. Sin is when we choose opposite of what God has for us. We're saying we know better than you, God. And we leave him out of the equation. And what happens is this drift that takes place and we find ourselves in a state that we never thought we would be. And, but more than that, we end up becoming a person that we never thought we would become. Lostness is not, it's not a location, it's a, it's, a, it's a condition. And so this story, what it means is this, is that this ridiculous, heart, well, extravagant love is expressed in the most amazing possible way. And Jesus is saying to these religious, listen, there's a door that's open, it's an invitation, but I have a feeling even further, Jesus is speaking to them and speaking to us about this story is it's open-ended for one main reason, the most important reason, so that he could fulfill it. That Jesus could be personally fulfill it. Because in the story at the end, guess what? Jesus is the elder, perfect elder brother. Jesus is the one that came to the rescue for you and for I, for God demonstrated his own love for us while we were still sinners, while we were in a waywardness, while we were in our pigsty, why we were in that place is because of sin and our losses, and Jesus came to the rescue. And that story, no one came to that wayward son. Jesus did that for us. He rescued us out of the dominion of darkness and put us into the son, he, to, to be in a relationship with the son and the father he loves. He paid the bill, paid the price for our ransom, and, and forgave, brought forgiveness for us, and we can experience this party that he has for us. Not to stand back and judge, but seek and save us, lost people, in and out. I'd like our team to come as we, we close this morning, as we wrap up. I've got this, this main question as we go to prayer. What, what's the state of your soul? What's the state of your soul? And I hope it's not, you're thinking, well, I'm not in Idaho or Wyoming or Utah. I'm talking, I'm talking right here. The state of your soul. It's not a lot of locations, about a condition. And there's two things that will keep us from the party today. The first is shame. Shame will keep us from entering the, the party of this extravagant father that loves us. If you're here today and you're going, man, I, I've blown it too many times. I've messed up so much in my life. I don't deserve anything from God, let alone his love. And if that's true, if that you're saying that, you're right. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. But that's the power of this love that's so extravagant, so lavished his own love for us that he sent Jesus to be our rescuer. Jesus is the perfect elder son to come and rescue us. You might be in that place today for your own life. That's the state of your lostness today. But the other thing that'll keep you away from shame is shame, but the other thing to keep you away is pride. Pride says, eh, I'm not lost. Really? You have some entitlement issues? You have some resentment that's there? Do you have a little bit of unfairness over here and I don't understand why? Well, the reality is we're all in process. But I tell you what will keep you from the party is those things. What will keep you from the party is pride that you don't, you don't need God's love. You, you're okay. You're doing fine. I tell you, we're all in a desperate place. We're all in a state of waywardness. Up and out, down and out. And we need his love. Why? Because he's a good, good father. 
that loves us deeply and cares about us went to the greatest extent for our sin. Rescue us and invite us in a relationship with him to come home. I just invite you to bow your head as we pray these moments together. It's so easy to, to move on from this place, but I want to take a second. And I want to, I gave this opportunity in the first service. I really want to do that here today. And that is to give you an invitation. The opportunity for you, if you say, man, I am, I am like that younger son. I identify with him. I, I am so out there in my relationship with God. I, I, there's such distance to that relationship. I've done too much. I've hurt too many people. I don't deserve his love. And again, you don't. But he's offering it to you through the grace of Jesus. Jesus is coming to you right now in the pigsty of your life. He wants to rescue you. Head bowed and eyes closed. Would you, if that's you, you're saying, I, I need to be rescued. I need Jesus to be my Lord, my Savior. Could you simply just put your hand up? I want to just pray for you today. Is that anybody here today? There are a couple people in the first service. Thank you, guys. Anybody else? That's, that's being courageous today. I'm going to pray for you guys here in a moment. But if you put your hand up on that moment, you're realizing it. And that's the grace of God, that you're coming to your senses. I need Jesus. Save me and forgive me and cleanse me today. Now, here's the, here's the tougher part is the group that's left. And what this is the hardest thing to do is probably the, 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 hard, the hardest thing to do is what's going to happen in this moment. And that is there's some that can identify with that older son. They're just like, oh my gosh, that's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. Here's where the rubber meets the road. Pride will keep you from raising your hand today. But I'm going to ask it anyway said, man, I got pride. I've got resentment. I'm, I am so embittered right now, and I want God to forgive me. I want, I want the love of the Father to wash over me again, and I need, I need to know that I can be forgiven, and I want to accept that invitation to come to the party today. I let go of my pride. I let go of my resentment right now by raising my hand. If that's you, raise your hand. If that's you today, I'm so proud of you for doing that. Pride will keep you from raising your hand. If it's an issue for you, many of you have your hands up today. You can put your hands down. Some of us can all relate with all of it today. We all can relate with all of it. Lord, we come before you. God, we recognize that we are lost people. And Lord, if those are here today and those have been in the services don't recognize it, God, may you continue to speak through their heart. Lord, we pray for every wayward child, both... <laughs> physically in relationship, and most importantly with you, that they would come home. They would find you today. Though they're in this place or people that we know, God, that they would come and to know you. God, thanks for the hands that did raise. Say, man, I'm like that younger child. I'm like that younger son. Lord, thank you for the, the wavered sons and daughters that raised their hand today. Say, Jesus, I need you to forgive me. I lay down my shame. I lay down my rebellion, and I turn my life toward you. Thank you for coming as my elder brother and rescuing me so I can be in relationship and, and I can be in the party that's celebrating me, not because of what I've done, but what Jesus, what you did for me today. And there's a celebration in heaven that's going on right now. If you're here today and you need Christ, you just confess that, Jesus, I need you. Forgive my sins. Cleanse me, Lord. Take away my sin. I, I start a new relationship with you. Today. God, I pray for every hand 
that, oh God, what courage to say, man, I got pride. And they had enough to come to their senses to realize they had pride. God, what a great work that you're doing in all our hearts today, especially those that raise saying, Lord, we want to let go of our bitterness and we want to let go of our resentment. We want to stop calling out as a victim and say, Lord, we want to come into your party, Father. We want to enter in that nothing would keep us from entering in, not pride, not shame, nothing from this love that you have for us that we have to receive and walk into today, God. We receive that, we, we pray. And Lord, go with us as we, as we go back into the, to the highways and byways of life, Lord, that we can, we can see others that need rescuing, that, Lord, that we can partner with you, that people that are lost, that we would not judge them, that we would love them, as this love that you fill us. Because at the end of the day, why it's so great is because you are so good. You are good, good Father, and we love you. In Jesus' name.